0: Enjoy the message. You pray for me this morning because I'm going on about three hours of sleep right now. Uh, Yeah, praise the Lord, right? Uh, My wife and children, they're actually out of town right now. Uh, They're celebrating Labor Day without their husband. (laughs) But uh, I'm home last night and I finally get to sleep and then about three o'clock in the morning... Uh, my ferocious dog, Oreo, begins to go barking, and then we had a choir of dogs barking together. <laughs> so around 3 o'clock this morning, I went outside and uh, and started yelling, Oreo, 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 and he comes running around the corner wagging his tail like I wanted to pet him. <laughs> and uh, he finally quietened down, but then he started back up, and I... Finally moved to the couch, and about 5 o'clock in the morning, then the train comes through Clipso blowing the horn. And I was laying there on the couch, and I was like, Lord, you, you know that uh, i got to get up in just a few minutes and get ready, and there's going to be services today, and I need strength. And, and the Lord quickly reminded me, he said, you know what? Uh, you're going to be preaching today just like that dog's barking and just like that train whistle's blowing. That dog is barking right now to let you know that there's something out there in the yard. He's trying to get your attention and he's barking away and he's barking away and he's not trying to be annoying about it. I know it might be annoying to you right now, but he's doing it because he loves you. He's letting you know there's something out there. And, And then... That train went through and that whistle went to blow. And I was thinking, good, not mighty. And the Lord said, you know what? That whistle's blowing because that man and that, uh, uh, that conductor there, he cares about the people in this town that he's going through. And he don't want to take nobody out. And he's blowing that horn, letting them know, here I am, I'm on the way. And the Lord has a message for me this morning to give to you. And I would say today that I'm like Oreo. And I'm just letting you know that something's out there. I'm like the man on the train. I'm just blowing the horn. Trying to get your attention, friend. Trying to wake you up to where you are spiritually. If you will, I'm going up into the bell tower. And I'm ringing the bell. And I'm giving a call today to wake up to God and repent of your sin. Talking to you today about repentance. In the Bible you can find these scriptures. I have it on the screen. 2 Chronicles 7.14 If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Say "Turn." turn. If they will turn, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive them their sin and will heal their land. Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, the gospel of Matthew, the words of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, when He began to preach His very first message, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, right now, Lord, I humble myself before You, God. Lord, I pray right now your Holy Spirit would just empower me and touch your people today, God. I believe that your word does not return void. I pray that it would go forth today and stir the hearts of people that are here, lost people, saved people, people who have been serving you for a short time, people who have been serving you for a long time. I pray that today, God, that your word would just move us, God, and drive us to our knees, that we would repent and call on to you, God. We need you more than ever, Jesus, and we depend on you now, Lord. We depend on every promise from you, God. We're nothing without you. So, God, have your way in this service today and bring glory to your name. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All throughout the Bible, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, there is a cry that comes out of these pages of Scripture. There's a cry for repentance. There's a call for repentance out of the Bible. A strong call for God's people and the lost to turn from their sin. You see the prophets in the Old Testament, they had a a calling out, if you will, for people to repent and turn from their sin. Jeremiah said these words in Jeremiah 35, 15. He said, again and again, I sent all my servants, the prophets, to you. They said, each of you must turn from your wicked ways and reform your actions and do not follow after other gods and do not serve them. And you see that, that cry for repentance all throughout the Old Testament. And then you move into the New Testament, the New Covenant. And there's preachers and apostles in the a New Testament who were crying out and calling for repentance. John the Baptist He came in the desert of Judea and he said repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Peter on the day of Pentecost he preached and said be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Peter said repent and be baptized so your sins can be forgiven. Paul, the apostle, he preached and he says, I declare to both Jews and the Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Where where is the cry today for repentance? Where where is the call today for repentance? You, You rarely even hear the word mentioned in churches today. There could be some today in this church service that have never even heard the word repent. Or repentance. You turn on Christian television. And God help you if you do. That you may occasionally hear the word repent. But I doubt you would hear it very often. At the very beginning of Jesus Christ's ministry. Jesus when he initiated his ministry. He warned the people to repent. He said these words that I read to you earlier. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. He told these people, these followers of his in the, uh, Luke chapter 24, verse 45 through 48. He says, Here's, this is going to be the message that should be preached throughout the land. He says that Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem and you are witnesses to these things let me tell you this morning friend the good news the gospel of Jesus Christ is repentance and forgiveness together it's repentance and forgiveness together jesus said repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in the name in his name to all nations so what is repentance what does it mean to repent that word repentance means Turning away from sin and now turning to God. Turning away from sin and turning to God. The Greek word there in the Bible, if you study it, it's a repentance that means to have a deep sorrow in your heart that leads you to salvation and it causes you to want to change the direction that you're going in your life. It's the sorrow inside because of the sin toward God and that sorrow moves you to change course and go a different direction in life because you want to. Not because somebody's forcing you to, not because somebody else wants you to, but because you're broken enough, you want to change. 2 Corinthians 7.10 says that godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. Let me tell you, friend, that godly sorrow that led me to repentance, I don't have no regrets now, friend, at all. I'm glad I went that direction. I'm glad I went toward Jesus. I have no regrets because he changed my life. And my goodness, if there's ever been a time in our history that we need to be crying out for repentance, it's the day and time that we live in now. You look at the spiritual condition of our nation. And don't get me wrong. I'm not here to to browbeat our nation. Because I love my nation. I served this nation in the military. I love it. But let me tell you something, friend. It breaks my heart to see what's going on in our world today. It breaks my heart to see how far that we've drifted away from God. And how we've glorified sin in the face of God. Instead of repenting of our sins, now we're parading sin right in the face of God. There's no fear of God anymore. There's no grief over the sin in our land anymore. we become numb to it. We just Now we've accepted it and it's even coming to the church house. We see right now just a campaign of trying to remove God from all aspects of society. Here we are living in a land today that Instead of repenting, we're parading sin and we're glorifying the alcohol and the drug lifestyle while people all around us in our community are overdosing and dying. We're sitting here and we're, we're overcome by greed and all we can think about is how much more we can get in our life. Can we get a bigger barn, a bigger shelter so we can put more in it? We're, we're worshiping idols and where we're aborting babies and there's sexual immorality and there's people just sex outside of marriage and homosexuality going on. And, and in the midst of all this rebellion, in the, re- in the midst of all this parading sin in the face of God, the church is crying out for revival. The church is crying out for a spiritual awakening. The church wants the nation to repent. But my question is, how in the world can we expect our nation to repent when God's people won't even repent? Instead of crying out for repentance, the church is crying out for everyone to serve, and we should serve. And the church is crying out for everybody to worship and praise, and we should worship and praise. But we hardly ever hear anyone crying out that the church needs to repent. Let me tell you why we need to repent. The reason we need to repent is because the church looks no different than the world. The Bible says that, therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing and I will receive you. Friend, we're called to be people of light, not people walking in darkness. And we need to repent today because the church looks just like most of the world today. It's full of people who claim to be followers of Christ, but their life is no different than what the world is. And Paul told Timothy, he said, Timothy, I'm going to give you a picture of what the church is going to look like in the last days. And here's what Paul says. He tells Timothy, in the last days, here's what the church is going to look like. People will be lover of themselves. It's all about me. Entertain me. Let me get what I can get. He says, they'll be lovers of money. They'll be boastful and proud. They'll be abusive. Disobedient to their parents. Ungrateful unholy, without love, unforgiven and slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And they'll have a form of godliness, but they'll deny God's power. And Paul said, listen, have nothing to do with them. Listen, friend, how in the world, listen, please know my heart this morning, I'm in the bell tower, and I'm ringing because I love you. How can we claim today... Uh, to have Jesus Christ living inside of us if there's no difference in our lifestyle. If people can't tell that you're different from the world, there's something going on. Churches with so-called followers of Christ who have their hands raised up on Sunday just like we're singing and raising our hands now on Sunday and during the week they're holding that Budweiser with the same hand. I'll say it and I'll say it again. You will never hear me tell you that it's okay to drink because I have seen the devastation that alcohol will do to a family. There's nothing good about it. Or just one. Well, guess what? It took one first one to get drunk. God, help us today. Man, I'm telling you, 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 I'm telling you because I see this stuff and I see how it damages the integrity of the church. My, my wife called me yesterday. She said, Jeff, you're never going to believe it. She said, there's somebody out here that I know that's been proclaiming to be a Christian. And here they are. And they're having to help this individual off the beach up to a condo because they can't walk. They're so drunk. People that are singing in choirs in other churches that I know about walking around in restaurants with two beers in their hand dancing with the staff. That same hand lifted up to praise Jesus during Sunday is that same hand at night that people are using to scroll through pornographic websites. Same mouth that's singing to Jesus on Sunday is telling lies all during the week. That That same mouth that's singing praises to God is cussing and using the Lord's name in vain. Churches so-called followers of Christ. They're, 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 having, they're, they're living with people outside the bonds of matrimony through marriage. When, when you got people coming to the altar or you're hearing about conversations that somebody you know that's already living in sin, you know they're living together and they're not married and they're trying to tell somebody else how to get saved. Where is Repentance. Where's that cry that they need to repent? A lot of people play in church today. No prayer life. No devotional life. No obedience to Jesus Christ. Preachers robbing God's people with their money so they can pack their own pockets. Turning God's house into a marketplace when Jesus said that my Father's house shall be called a house of prayer prayerless church services, prayerless sermons. The church needs to repent. God, help us. You don't think we need to repent? Look at the news this week when you got sex trafficking going through the churches, children being molested, homosexuals and pedophiles being ordained to be clergy in some of our churches. Friend, we need to repent. God, help us. Lord, help us. Saw on the news this week where we're in denomination made the decision that when they perform a marriage, they're no longer going to say marriage between a man and a woman. It's marriage between two people. Friend, you got churches out there right now. I'm telling you, you think I may. I wish I was making this up. I wish I was making it up. You got churches out there that open up beer breweries on the inside so they can attract the lost You, you, you can change your beliefs, you can do whatever you want to, friend, but you will never change the mind of God and the Word of God. The Bible says this. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the, the, word, the word of the Lord stands Forever. The word of the Lord stands forever. I, listen, I've already wrestled with everything that I know what could possibly happen today. There'll be people that won't come back. I understand that. But you know what? I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. You know, I lived a lot of my life trying to please people. I believe God's delivered me from it now because I know one day I'm going to stand before this holy God and give an account. And I want to know I preach the truth of God's word. Hallelujah. 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 Just pray he'll keep delivering me from it. Where where is the fear of God? Where is the grief over sin in your life? Where is the call to repent? You, You don't hear no call to repent, it's silence. It's silence. No, no godly sorrow. Just hoping that God will turn and look the other way. That's not going to happen, friend. Where, where's the call for repentance to turn to God? Nothing but silence. Hoping that we can kind of hide it from God and He won't see it anymore. Friend, He sees everything. How much more, please listen to me, friend. Please listen to me. Church, please. How much more of this mockery do you think God is going to take? How much more of this mockery of God do you think He's going to allow to happen? Judgment, He says, is coming and you need to repent. Repent. And the Bible says that judgment comes first to the house of God and then to those that have not obeyed the gospel. Judgment is coming to us first. If you claim to be a follower of Christ, you're going to be judged. Uh, My prayer, I was here yesterday evening praying. My prayer is that if you're here and you got sin in your life and you you know it and you're not turning from it, that, that you would be shaking in your shoes this morning. My prayer was last night walking around here that if you're here and there's sin in your life, that God would expose it to you so you can turn from it today. If there's anybody in the choir with sin, expose it. If there's anybody in these seats today, expose it. If there's any sin in my life, expose it so I can turn from it, God. And what happens is as some of you, God, begins to work on your heart and talk to you about turning. And you refuse to turn. And when you refuse to turn, your heart gets harder and harder and harder. And then God will expose it to everybody then. See, your sin will find you out. There's a pleasure in sin for a season, but sooner or later, friend, it's going to bring destruction to your life. So how much more? The Bible says it's appointed to all men to die and in the judgment. Friend, you are going to be judged. John the Baptist, when he preached to that religious crowd that day, he had a simple sermon. It just said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Here's what John told that religious crowd. He said, the Messiah is coming soon and he's going to be standing in your midst and you better get ready to meet him. I know you feel excited, but I'm telling you, John says, your hearts are not ready. Because you're still holding on to sin in your life. That was the message that John preached to those people. And God, man, I'm telling you, it's the same message we need to preach today. Jesus is coming again and you need to make sure your hearts are ready. Make sure your hearts are ready and prepared to meet him. John the Baptist told him, he says, on the outside you look clean and on the outside you look holy but on the inside you're full of dead men bones. He said you're a generation of vipers and there's no fear of God in you and you don't even have an idea that you're a sinner. And let me tell you something he said, you need to repent and turn from your sin before you can receive Jesus as your Savior and live in a way that reflects genuine change. My prayer is that God would raise up some John the Baptist in our day and time. I'm going to quickly go through some things here and tell you that repentance is for everyone. Repentance is for everyone. Turning from sin and turning to God is for everyone here today. Paul, Peter said this, he says, God has looked, overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. He's commanding all people, everybody here today needs to repent. And he's not going to overlook your ignorance. You've been told about the gospel. You've been told you need to turn to Christ. It's not going to be an excuse because you know. You were raised that way. You were taught that way. Your grandma told you. Your parents raised you up that way. There's, going to not, there's not going to be any excuse, friend, for your repentance. All people everywhere need to repent. Repentance is for everyone because all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Repentance is for everyone. Repentance is for the worst sinner. Repentance is for the most religious man. I don't care who you are. There was a couple of years ago I had an opportunity to go over to facing and I led a man to the Lord that was, I think he was 95 or 96 years old. It doesn't matter who you are. You need to repent. Repentance is for everyone. I'll never forget the testimony I heard of a religious man that comes to church here and he talked about how he was serving God and he realized that he hadn't repented and placed his faith in Christ and he came down to the altar one day after being in church all of his life and he came down and he repented. Friend, why? Because everyone needs to repent. See, here's my fear as the pastor at this church. My fear as the pastor at this church is that there's many people walking around with some kind of false security, believing that they have salvation because they come to church for one hour on Sunday. People believing that they have some kind of security today because they're on the church membership or they tithe or they serve here in the church. None of those things will save you, friend. None of that will save you. Jesus is the only one that can save you. And you have to repent and put your faith in Him. You remember what Nicodemus said, what uh, Jesus said to Nicodemus, I know you're a religious man, Nicodemus. I know you've done a lot of great religious works. But listen, that's not going to save you. You must be born again spiritually. And that means repentance and faith in Christ. The Bible says it's not by works that any man be saved, that he can boast. We're saved by grace through Jesus Christ. Let me ask you this morning this question. Maybe you're here and you can relate to one of these individuals. Maybe you're the worst sinner ever. Maybe you've done some bad things. I know I had done some bad things in my life. Whether you're the worst sinner or whether you walked through the doors this morning glowing in the dark because you're the most religious man or woman around here, it doesn't matter who you are, everyone needs repentance. And repentance is also necessary for forgiveness. Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. The cry of the church today must be repent of your sins. The reason behind all this repentance is because of sin. And what sin does to you. Sin will defile you. Sin will decay you. Sin will destroy you. Sin is complete rebellion toward God. It's offending God. Robbie Zacharias said this, Sin will take you farther than you want to go. Sin will keep you longer than you want to stay. And sin will cost you more than you can pay. Sin will destroy you. And everyone in this room today has been infected by this disease called sin and we need to be cured from it. And the only hope and the only cure is Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can deliver you from sin and forgive you of your sins. I want to tell you this morning, friend, I'm ringing the bell again to you. Please listen to me, please. There, there is a danger if you refuse to repent. There is a danger if you refuse to repent. The Bible says the soul who sins is the one who will die. Jesus said this, unless you repent, you too will perish. Perish. If you're here today and and the Lord's been tugging on your heart about a change of direction in your life to surrender to Him and you keep refusing, you keep rebelling, let me tell you something, friend. You're on a pathway straight to hell. And I don't want you to think, I'm not standing up here and it doesn't give me any kind of pleasure to tell you that. Friend, I'm just telling you, I'm sounding the alarm. Wake up! Wake up, church! Wake up, Christian! Wake up, lost sinner! Where is the call for repentance? You will perish if you continue to rebel If you continue to refuse to repent, the Bible says this, because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you're going straight to hell not because God is sending you there, but because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart. It all goes back to you because we all have a free will to make a choice. He says, because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you're storing up wrath against yourself the day of God's wrath when His righteous judgment will be revealed. I'm just telling you, friend, it's my heart that we would all turn. Believe me, God has already got me. That we would repent. You you feel disconnected from God. You're wondering why you're not drawing near to him. Maybe you need to repent of some sin in your life. Maybe you need to turn from it and give it to God. Repentance is necessary for forgiveness of sin. Here's a great picture here as I wind things down. Repentance is necessary for forgiveness of sin. And David is a great picture of that. King David. How many of y'all heard of King David? Okay, seven of you. Praise the Lord. (laughs) David. David in the Bible, you know, he sinned against God. When he set his eyes on uh, another man's wife, which was Bathsheba. He had committed adultery with Bathsheba. And then he turns around and has her husband Uriah murdered. David broke God's law. If you really study that, David broke just he broke every he broke every commandment, the Ten Commandments, he broke every one of them. And then God, out of mercy and grace, he sends the prophet Nathan, the King David, to confront him and his sins. And David gives us a picture of a heart of repentance. You can go ahead and put that up there, the heart of repentance. And you don't have time now, but write this down. Write this psalm down. Psalm 51. Psalm 51 is a psalm of David repenting of his sin. You can read it later. I'm just going to pull some things from it right now. Psalm 51. David had a picture, a heart of repentance. He had a convicted heart. He had a convicted heart. Do you know the Bible says that the Holy Spirit's job is to convict the world of sin and uh, righteousness and judgment? Sometimes when you're sitting in a service or sometimes if you're getting ready to to get involved in some sort of uh, offense to God or breaking His law, do you sense that conviction working in your life? Telling you it's wrong. Telling you you don't need to do it. The Holy Spirit is convicting you to let you know that you're lost and you need to turn around. And he convicted David. The Holy Spirit convicted David to remind him that he was a sinner. You know what conviction is? Conviction is just realizing through the power of the Holy Spirit working in your life, realizing that you're going the wrong way in life and you need to change and you need to go a different direction. There's got to be a change. I need to take a detour and go another way because danger is ahead. Danger is ahead if I don't turn. The great preacher D.L. Moody Said conviction is like an alarm clock waking up, waking you up so you can see the danger ahead. The Holy Spirit convicting us to wake us up to see how far that we've drifted from God. The Holy Spirit is that alarm clock to wake you up to let you know you need to make a change in your life. The Holy Spirit trying to wake you up to let you know that you're going the wrong way and He's telling you to stop and turn and go in a different direction. And here's the problem. He's he's the Holy Spirit and He's like that alarm clock but a lot of you are hitting the snooze button every day. I, I hear you convicting me, Holy Spirit. I sense you convicting me but I'm just going to hit the snooze again. And you're going to keep hitting that snooze button. Listen to me. You're going to keep hitting that snooze button and then one day it's going to be too late for you to get saved. David had a convicted heart and he also had a contrite heart. Psalm 51, 17 says, A broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. That word contrite just means brokenness. That means you come before God and you're broken by your sinful condition and you realize that he's a holy God. Here I am, I'm contrite, I'm broken on the inside because I'm so sinful and God is so holy. And it it puts an awareness in you that I need to change, I need to go in a different direction, I can't keep doing this. I'm sorry God, forgive me, I want a change in my life. And that begins to pull you into a, a walk of repentance because you're sorry. Not sorry you got caught. Sometimes people are sorry, but they're sorry because they got caught. Some people are just sorry, and they feel bad. I used to feel bad all the time and say, I'm going to never do this again. And then the next week, I'm doing it again. You see, a contrite heart is broken over their condition so much that you're sorry for what you did, and that sorrow inside drives you to go in a different direction now. And you turn away from sin, and you turn to God. And then David had a confessing heart. The Bible says, it says, he who conceals his sin does not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces him finds mercy. First John says this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I don't know about you this morning, friend, but I'm grateful today for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm grateful today. And listen, if you have sin in your life, you can confess it to him and he will forgive you. Hallelujah. He will forgive you. We're not without hope, friend. We're not, we're not in despair, friend. We, we have hope, and His name is Jesus. And then David had a committed heart that led to his conversion. He says, give me my life. He just committed to giving my life to Jesus Christ and committed to be willing to follow him. It's a heart that says, you know what? I'm turning from sin, and now I'm turning to God, and I'm committed to follow you. Hell or high water, mountain top or down the valley, I'm going to be committed to following you with all my heart, all my mind, and all my soul, God, because of what you've done for me on the cross. Amen. Hallelujah. Can you clap your hands for Jesus? Pastor Kevin, if you'll come. A heart of repentance is one God can use for his glory. Here's what John said. I'm I'm wrapping things up, I promise you. He says, you know what? You need to produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Here's what John told them. Man, no wonder they beheaded him. He looked at them in the face, he said, you know what, your repentance should, pre- should produce fruit in your life. But all of you are just kind of clean on the outside and you're like vipers and snakes on the inside. And you have no fear of God and you're all living in sin. And I'm telling you, they're standing by right now, John said, and they got an axe. And they're going to chop down every tree that does not produce fruit. And when they chop it down, they're going to throw it in the fire. Where's the fruit in your life? True repentance will bring fruit in your life. I'm telling you, friend. I'm not trying to give you be legalistic. That you got to do this and you got to do that. But just out of the love for God and a heart that is a heart of repentance, you're walking with Him every day, and you're you're becoming more like Him and reflecting Him in your mouth and in your actions and your conduct and your behavior. It's just not lip service to Him. It's a heart service. It's a committed heart to God. And people will be able to look at you and say, "There's something different about them. There's something different about that man. There's something different about that woman." It's because they got Jesus. Jesus is inside of them. Look at Zacchaeus. Called out of that tree, repented of his sin, made restoration to all the people that he had took advantage of. That's a picture of repentance. A man who was living for evil and living for sin is now living for God. Matthew, the tax collector. God, help the tax collector taking advantage of people out of greed, has an encounter with Jesus Christ, and now his whole life has been changed because he repented and his sins were forgiven, and now instead of taking advantage of people, he's inviting his friends and his family all into his house so they can encounter Jesus and their life can be changed too. A man who has been changed. A man going in a different direction. How about the Apostle Paul? Persecuting the church. Trying to destroy the church. And the Galatians said, this man, this man that was once an enemy to the gospel, this man that was once an enemy to the faith, now he's preaching it. It's because his whole life has been changed. He repented. He fell down on the road to Damascus and he repented. And he got up and his sins have been forgiven. And now he's going in a different direction in his life because he has a convicted heart. He's broken with contrition in his life. He's confessed his sins to God and now he's committed his life to God. God, help us today. Help us to produce fruit, friend. Let me just tell you, friend, if you're not producing fruit, the Bible says he will cut you down with the axe. So God, help us to walk in that fruit today. I wish I could go around to every one of you right now and say your past could be changed. You know, there's, there's consequences to the things, you, the decisions you make in your life. I know I'm still having to deal with things that I, I did in my past. I'm, I'm under the blood now. My sins have been forgiven. But there's still there's the effects of the sin that was in my life back then. I'm still dealing with But I can tell you this. There's a man named Jesus. Every one of us, you have a decision to make. You're going to choose the world and choose its pleasures? Or are you going to choose Jesus Christ and find peace and purpose for your life and forgiveness of sin? which, Which one are you going to choose? Are you going to choose to repent of your sin and start walking with Christ? It's a decision that you have to make. Listen to me. Your mama can't make it for you. Granny can't make it for you. Pa can't make it for you. The church can't make it for you. That decision comes down to you. And you and you and you and you, all of us. Am I going to make a decision today to give my life to Jesus and repent of my sin? It comes down to that decision.